May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be now and always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I've always wanted to watch someone build their house. From the very beginning, when they get an idea and get an architect and get a plot of land and get the big digging implements and to lay the foundation and then start putting the first story on and incorporating the electricity and the plumbing and all those things is fascinating. I don't know how they do it. I grew up with a father who regularly brought his blueprints home. He, wasn't a, he was an architectural hardware consultant. But I grew up looking at these, these specific, precise blueprints. And then you go to a field and see the big uh, diggers dig out the land with this very crude kind of um, powerful machines. And how they would get it all lined up was astonishing to me. I think they should make a YouTube video like on a time lapse. You could just see it go along. Look with me, if you will, at the Old Testament reading uh, today from Proverbs. It begins, I take my verse for my sermon today, Wisdom has built her house. Somebody is building a house. Who here has had a house built? So they, okay, there we go. Uh, Who's uh, still rebuilding their house after Harvey? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I think it's harder, maybe harder to rebuild it. I mean, you have some stuff there, but you have to... It's kind of hard. Uh, We've been looking around in neighborhoods and there's a lot of people still rebuilding homes and houses in Houston. We need to keep praying and and keep helping them out. So building a house. It says wisdom has built her house. Wisdom is meant to be an allusion to God. God has built a house. That's what he's about. God is doing some building. It's interesting to me that in the video games, you know, adults tend to think of video games as all shoot them up. But there are popular video games that incorporate buildings like Minecraft and you have to get resources and materials and build houses and build cities and villages. A very popular game is Fortnite, uh, which does have a lot of shoot-em-up, but it also has building. I won't ask who's playing Fortnite these days. So it's interesting to me that they're incorporating more and more building, still shooting, I was told this week that we had in our school active shooter training. And the trainer said, now the architects who design schools seem to be more concerned with designing it with active shooters in mind than natural disasters in mind. It's just a scary place we've come to in our, in our country, if that's the case. I had that confirmed from an architect student. So wisdom has built our house. So is our spiritual life our spiritual interior life, our spiritual parish life, like the building of a building, building of a house? Is life in our parish community? Are we seeking to build something up? I brought some tools over here. Can you hand me those tools, Walker? I have a little toolkit. And I talked to the kids this morning. Have you ever built anything with the tools that you need? And I saw the hammer and immediately thought of the Pete Seeger song, If I Had a Hammer. I was going to quiz you guys, see if you knew all the verses yet. God has given us tools, and the first thing I want to say is that it's God's job to build the house. He is building the house, not us. 
So he, King David at one time said, hey, look, I, you know, when, when they come through the wilderness and he's in a sconce, he's a very powerful king, he lives in a palace, and he says to the prophet Nathan, hey, I've got an idea, I want to build God a house. And uh, I'll make it, because I'm living in a nice big palace, why shouldn't God live in a nice big palace? And then the prophet comes back to him and says, look, this is what God says to you, you're not going to build me a house I will build you a house. Now, it was a, a double entendre with that word house. What God was saying is, David, I'm going to build you up a house, a family, a nation. Whereas David had in mind the physical house. But God made it clear that he was doing the building. So if he's doing the building, what's our role? Part of our role is to get out of the way. Part of our role is to cooperate. Part of our role is to be aware of what he's doing so we can align ourselves with it rather than seeking to make our own house from our own sometimes arrogant wills. There's a, I heard this song recently, done the song Jerusalem, and it ends up by saying, I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. Well, it's not our job to build on our will with our resources but rather to align ourselves with what God's doing. And so part of what we do in the building of a house or the rebuilding is some tearing down to say this isn't working, I need to tear it down. And when we come to worship, we have the confession every week. I confess that the things I tried to build were done from my own ego or done from, done from my own sinfulness or my own woundedness. And we have to ask God to come in and tear some things down to rebuild. We need to keep the vision of the architect before us. There was a, a famous architect who used to design houses, and then he would even tell them how to decorate it. And apparently he would go back, he would keep a key to the house, he'd go back to the house, and if they rearranged the furniture, he would put it back to where he wanted it to be. But we need to remember that God has a better vision in mind than we do. And it's his house that he's building. But we need to cooperate and to use the gifts he's given to us so that we can build as well. The next verse says, and God, uh, wisdom has built her house and established her seven pillars. What does that mean? My first image was the pillars you put, the decorative pillars you put in front of a house to make it, I don't know, look bigger or something. But I think what it means is the pillars, the foundation of pillars upon which the house rests. And seven is the name, is the number for perfection in Hebrew. So what are these seven pillars? Uh, school started this week. We spoke at school about how we need to cover the core curriculum. Do you remember what they are? I won't give you a quiz. So math, science, history, English, Spanish. We need to cover those. But if that's all that we give to students, what is it we're offering to them? There's been a, a, a talk about having some more home ec stuff or shop. When kids leave our schools, are they going to know how to sew on a button? Are they going to know the difference between a Robert's head and a Phillips head screwdriver and what they need? Are they going to know how to budget and balance their checkbook? If they know what a checkbook is. I mean, it's, just, it's a whole different world. They, they do it all online, they're so sophisticated. But do they know how to do the other things? And then, of course, 
this number seven pillars helps us to think of the seven virtues. Of course, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. And then the cardinal virtues, justice, fortitude, prudence, and temperance. Do our kids learn about modesty and humility and kindness and generosity? kind of house are we helping them to build? So it's not just when we go to school or who, what, where, and when, but also why. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do you know when Saint, our own St. Francis, when he heard from God, he, God was getting his attention, he's praying before the cross of St. Damiano, and he hears God, do you remember what he hears God say? He says, go and rebuild my church. That's the first words he kind of clearly heard from God. And so he took it to mean to go and fix up the church buildings that were falling down, to repair the walls and the doors and the windows and roofs back on. And God had to kind of redirect him and to say, no, what I meant was my people, my people who gather for worship. Um, we, we, are, we have our house on the market, and uh, so we're... We're going through all that process, trying to rent somewhere close by. Um, but the most important thing about the house, I remember the day we phoned the guy to come over and check our foundation. It's like, you remember that? It's like, what if it's cracked? What if it's tilted? The foundation is so important for our house. What's your foundation? Where do we find our foundation? How do we shore it up? Of course, God is our foundation, the rock on which we build our lives through Scripture through community, through the sacraments, being firmly there. And what kind of a house, what kind of a building is it? Is it meant to be like a castle to keep people out? There's a church in Houston, I always kind of smile when I drive by, it's literally built like a castle. It's just you get this feeling like, they don't want me in there. It would be really hard to get in there. Or is it like a prison? You know, for a lot of kids who come to church or school, it feels like a prison, right? It's like, please let me out. Is our church supposed to be like that? Is it a hospital to help sick people? A school to teach? A concert hall to perform our gifts? A temple to bring worship? Well, let's look further down in our passage in Proverbs. Or is it meant to be like a banqueting table? A building that's set so that we invite people. We welcome them. We host them. We reach out to them. See, as it goes down, I've slain my beasts mixed her wine, set her table, sent her maids out to call from the highest places. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who is without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave simpleness and live, and walk in the way of insight. The offering of life, the offering of sustenance, the offering of joy because of what we see God building. And it's not the only voice in the marketplace because if you keep reading Proverbs chapter 9, all of a sudden, who comes on the scene but Lady Folly? And she wants people to come to her. But it's not life. It looks like life, but it's not. They will be enslaved. And so we, it is a wonderful foreshadowing of the Eucharist, the table with the bread and the wine that's meant to bring us life. Coming to the table to remind us who God is and who we are and what he wants to do and how much he wants to do it. The earnestness with which he reaches out with his call, he was willing to die on the cross for us. 
he was willing to suffer humiliation and, and in, uh, suffering. No one looked at Jesus lying on the cross and said, wow, what a victory. It was, it was considerable defeat in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of faith, it was the victory over death and sin and evil and hopelessness and despair and darkness. And so come to the table. Come and receive from him. Come be reminded. Come be built up. Come be challenged to reach out with his love. Keeping in mind the vision of the architect. I close with a story about a, a vicar in England who was uh, visiting another city and he was walking, he came upon a construction site and he wondered what was going on. So he asked the first worker, what are you doing? And he said, I'm mixing cement. Can't you see? You're bothering me. Can you go away? He came upon the next workman. He said, what are you doing, sir? And he said, can't you see? I'm building a wall. I don't quite know what, where it fits in, but my foreman told me to build it, so I'm just building the wall. He came upon the third workman, and he asked him, he said, sir, what are you doing? And the workman paused with the shovel in his hand and put his hands on the shovel and had a glow of pride in his eyes, and he said, oi, I'm building a cathedral. Each and every one of us has been given gifts to use for the building of a bigger purpose. We are part of something immense. We are part of something meaningful and significant to be a better person, to be a better community, and to be a better world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.